Welcome to Your Wellness MD Podcast. This is where family physician and wellness expert, Dr. Daniela Stein and her life coach sister, JB, share holistic solutions for your everyday health and wellness challenges. We explore the connection between a healthy body, mind, and soul, and share tips that will enable you to thrive. Thanks for joining us today. It's JB here, and today I'll take some time to explain my name, introduce myself properly. I'm actually Jeanette Bosoff-Ryan, but no full-blooded American can say that. So I just go by JB. Hello from a cool California today. And hi from Dr. Daniela Stein. Today we are talking about making friends with our bodies. What we put on the outside of our bodies is not half as important as what we put inside of it. Now, most of us have quite a history with our bodies. I can tell you, I for sure do. And Sis, I'm sure you can share a lot of your stories as well. But it's only been the last, I'd say, 10 or 15 years that I've really prioritized my body as, I don't want to say a temple, but caring more about the long-term health of my body than just looking good. I used to get on the scale for many years, first thing every morning, and what I weighed was the driver of my nutritional choices. I assume you've been on a couple of diets, or I know you've been on a couple of diets too. Many, many diets, and not only you know weight-related, related to other things as well. I would go through these phases where I would be vegan, and then I would be maybe, I've gone through a phase with doing triathlon training, where it was a big fat to be on high protein, low carb, because it's so easy for your body to, to run off carbs, to switch it all around and to teach your body to run off low carbs, but high protein and high fat. I've tried everything. I've been on gluten-free, dairy-free. I've, I think every fat, you know, it actually started when I was in high school. I remember reading Cosmopolitan magazine about diets and I would think, oh, this is cool and I'll try a diet. And then on hindsight, you know, I was doing sports and it's the phase of your life when you're the skinniest, when you should not be on diets, but I was still trying out whatever I found fashion magazines and that sounded like fun. Which is pretty tragic, you know, <laughs> how much of our life advice we take from, you know, I used to write for a women's magazine as people making stuff up. However, <laughs> today we are chatting about nutrition. Tell us a little bit about your experience as you think about this topic. As a medical doctor, I'm so passionate about nutrition. In the hospital, I work very closely with our dietitians. And in my wellness clinic, I work closely with our nutritionists to help guide my patients regarding their diet. So if you think about it, nothing in your body comes out of thin air. Every cell in your body, every hair comes from the food that you eat. So whatever you eat does become part of your body. Your nutrition really determines whether you're going to be healthy or sick. It is, makes such a big, big, big impact on our bodies is our nutrition. And that's why I would really like to share some basic principles of a healthy diet with our listeners. That'd be wonderful. You know, I am of the opinion, I don't only want my food that I eat to be healthy. I also want it to be delicious, especially now mm -hmm. that I'm preparing meal for two men the one big and the one small, you know, I'll eat most healthy foods, but it is, it's harder when you have a bigger audience that you prepare it for, but you also want it to be a joyful experience. I know yes. you often say the most important factor to heal and living your best life possible with optimal health and energy comes from the food we eat. 
Um, but like you said, many people just don't eat that healthy. Yes, yes. And, and it's tricky. I, I know with my kids as well, before I had kids, I had this idea that everything will be organic and locally farmed and very fresh and my kids will only eat healthy and perfect. And then when your kids come grow up, they have their own idea about what they want to eat and what they don't want yeah. to eat. And it's hard. It's hard as a mom where you know that these are the healthy choices. So it's very hard. And not only for my children, you know, I've seen so many of my patients, poor nutrition is so common. And many people are actually malnourished without knowing it because you might be a normal weight or you might even be overweight and still be malnourished, meaning that you lack very essential nutrients. And I often find that that's a cause of being overweight. When I help some of my patients who are overweight and we look at all their micronutrients that they're lacking, you know, they might be lacking zinc or magnesium. And because the body craves that, the body sends these signals to eat more and to eat more because you're lacking something. Or even if you just lack healthy fat, you know, when we grew up, our mom gave us food according to the food guide at that time, which was very low fat and high in carbs. But if, if you eat like that and your body needs some healthy fats, you'll stay hungry. And if you're only going to eat high carbs, you're going to eat buckets and buckets full of food and gain weight, and you'll still be lacking those fats. Whereas if you maybe just eat a handful of macadamia nuts or walnuts, you give your body what it needs, then you consume less empty calories and you won't gain any weight. Yes, yes. And another culprit as we think about managing weight is stress. Oh, definitely, definitely. Stress can make you gain weight independent of what you're eating. However, if you go on a restrictive diet in an attempt to combat weight gain, this will slow your metabolism while depriving yourself of nutrients essential for healing. You know, eating is such an essential act that we perform every day. And it's an act that connects us with nature and one another. But sometimes when we get busier, like for myself, I forget to eat, skip meals, or just, you know, grab something unhealthy. I, you know, I remember a couple of, I would say two or three years ago, you were the, you know, I was complaining about lifestyle and eating. You said, just be sure that you don't skip a meal. That's made such a difference. So oftentimes I'll just go grab brown rice and add some salad, whatever, just because I'm like, oh gosh, I'm going to skip a meal. And that's helped me to just at least not skip a meal. But, you know, with our lifestyle, it, it becomes really hard. Yes. And I'm glad you, you started doing that because every level of our health is really impacted by what we're eating. What we eat helps us to build muscle. It builds healthy bones. It gives us energy. It balances our hormones. What we eat really has an impact on our hormones. Our food helps to heal our gut. It boosts our immune system. It improves our heart health. It boosts your brain function. You know, so every time you eat something, you must really be cognizant about it and think, what I'm going to eat now, is it healing or is it harmful to my body? Yeah. You know, that's big. If if what you're eating is not building you up, the chances are that it's breaking your health down. Exactly. Causing yes. inflammation inside your gut, arteries and brain. And I think for many people, definitely for myself, moving from a COVID lifestyle to a post-COVID lifestyle. Now, some people have been out of that for a long time. I'm re-entering gradually now. And it's going from having the access to a fridge to being at airports mm. and in hotels. And the access you have to organic 
really nutritious food is just different. So it's, when it's, traveling, it yes. takes a lot of additional planning. Then we can touch on that later. But it's really critical to plan because, well, as you say, what we eat really impacts every component of our health. Yeah, and, and that's why it's important to seek out the best quality ingredients and foods that's free from pesticides and free from hormones because a lot of these foods can cause inflammation in our bodies. I've also noticed then that when we spend time with friends who eat healthy, we tend like, for example, you guys, when we were yes. you and it's always salmon and vegetables, we tend to eat healthier options as well. And when we have friends over we know prefer that type of eating, we eat healthier mm. um, and the opposite, opposite as well. So you hang out with and their eating habits definitely impact mm. your nutrition. It does. And then it's also important to give your kids what you eat, not to be cooking separate meals for you and your children, but from the get-go and to involve your partner and your kids in meal prep and, and planning. So to make grocery shopping and cooking and mealtimes fun and, and a positive experience, because I've found in my family, the more my husband and children are engaged in food prep and choices, the healthier they eat. So when my children help me to prepare a meal, they're way more likely to eat that meal than when I just put food in front of them. Yeah, that's great. That's great tip to do more of that. And to be honest, one of the things I'm realizing, you know, because I've lived in different countries and we also are married to somebody from a different nationality. I'm South African, my husband being American and our different ways of eating. It's an interesting additional layer of complexity as we approach that whole nutrition subject how we think of it because for me for example I don't have a donut until I think I came to America eight years ago my son every Friday after school it's donut day he's not three years old and he has a donut once a week and um, now I am not I'm not saying that to get hate mail because it's really hard for me as it is that my son has a donut once a, uh, once a week but the point is it's just another level of, of complexity because you ultimately also live in an environment and you have to figure out what works and what is practical mm. in that environment but let me ask you sis where where do you start my first advice is always to stick to real whole foods. Processed and packaged foods will cost you really more in the long run in terms of, of poor health. So even if it feels like it's less expensive, it's really been shown that if you stick to real food, vegetables, fruits, beans, whole grains, and some high quality animal foods, you will save money in the long run. I find that it's helpful if you just master a couple of recipes that you can do very well. So in Canada, for example, we eat chili. Chili is a Canadian recipe that's like a stew that you can make with ground beef and beans. So there is very good vegetarian, vegan chili recipes or lentil stews. So if you can find something like that, that's quick and easy, very inexpensive, you very high in protein. If you can find something like that, that you can make in bulk over a weekend, then you can freeze it. I, I find that it's very helpful. If, you, if you're really cognizant about everything, not eating too expensive, not increasing work for yourself. Yes. So on the one hand, to, to try to be healthy, but to also to be smart about it and not, not to make things more expensive for yourself or make yeah, things harder for yourself. 
like you said, just a little bit of planning beforehand. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it needs to be a lot of planning, but it's just maybe a little bit of planning over a weekend, deciding what are going to be those one or two things I'm going to make that I can make multiple portions of that I could then put in the freezer. And then we touched on diets as we started discussing nutrition today. But as a doctor, what would you say? What is the best diet? Vegan, vegetarian, low-carb, high-fat? I mean, most of my life was actually low-carb, high-fat, and thank goodness I'm not on that anymore. But keto, paleo, what, what would you recommend? You know what? Different diets work for different people. I honestly don't believe there is one perfect diet. It is often hard to decipher between all the fad diets, you know, and to figure out what's best for you and your body. I find it's most helpful to really focus on real foods and to eat food the way that it's grown and raised on a farm, not the way it's made in a factory. If you buy a box of something and there's multiple ingredients on that box or there's names that you don't know what it is, then it's better not to eat it. Processed foods are things and always have hydrogenated oils and added sugars, and those things cause inflammation in our bodies. They've found, from a a medical doctor or science perspective, they found the diets that's really been showing, you know, that's really withstood through a couple of fat or through a couple of years, and that's not just a fat, would be a Mediterranean diet. So it would be whole foods, but then also, so, and it might include meat, but it would be definitely. I have lots of oils, lots of olive oil, and touching over all the all your different macronutrients. What is a what is a macro? You're mentioning macronutrients, but what's a macro diet? Yes, yes. So that was popular at a time as well. And what it actually just is is when a dietitian looks at the food that you need to eat, they divide food into macronutrients and micronutrients. So all of us need that. Macronutrients are things like carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. So carbohydrates is starches that gives you energy for restoration and vitality and thriving. That's when you eat a sweet potato. That's primarily carbohydrates. Protein is what we generally get from meats or beans. That's building blocks for your cells, building blocks for muscles. And fats, you really need fat. That is what you get from walnuts, macadamia nuts, fatty fishes, olive oil. That's very important for healthy cells and brain neurons. We actually advise for little children to never have kids under the age of two years on a low-fat diet because for that their brain development, they need all that full fat. And then my like drinking yogurt, try find full cream drinking yogurt for kids. It's all yes. low fat, just to that point. It's really yes, hard to find. Yes. And that's why I actually advise my patients not to give their kids yogurt at all because it's primarily carbs and sweeteners and not really any protein or, or fats in it. Sorry, I just want to mention, so that was the macronutrients, but then for micronutrients, your body needs as well. And that would be things like vitamins and minerals, minerals or calcium, magnesium, iron, potassium and sodium. Got it. Something else I just wanted to mention is I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss and his podcast. And on there, intermittent fasting has come up quite a number of times. Sounds like it's pretty popular. And that's when you don't snack all the time, but eat at certain times. And then you don't eat anything at other times. Mm. So this guy doesn't say which food to eat. It just says that you should just eat at certain times. So I guess it's more of an eating pattern than a diet. Some of mm. my friends do it and they don't do it every day. They do it from time to time. Maybe once a week, go without food for four hours or twice a week, have a 16 hours fat 
fasting period where you eat your first meal at 10 o'clock in the morning and your last meal at six o'clock at night. Mm. So basically for eight hour period, you don't eat anything. What is your opinion about intermittent fasting? So intermittent fasting is a great tool to use. It helps your gut to rest. It fights cancer cells. So you have cells that eats up all the cancer cells in your body. But those cells are usually around your gut, removing all the toxins from food that you eat because you get a lot of toxins from your diet. So those cells are the whole time busy removing toxins from your diet. So it doesn't really have a lot of time to be fighting cancer cells in your body. But when you go on a fast and there is no food in your gut, then it gives those cells an opportunity to go through the rest of your body and help to fight cancer cells. So intermittent fasting has been shown to help fight cancer. It resets your metabolism. It helps to fight diabetes because it decreases insulin resistance. It improves your blood pressure and it decreases inflammation. It can also help with brain health. Some studies have found some short-term weight loss with it, but same as every diet, it's not for everyone. This is definitely something you should talk to your doctor about before you start it. For my patients, I advise older patients not to do it. People with frail health for children not to do it because I find their blood sugar often drop too low. Women need to keep track of their menstrual cycle because even if you do well with intermittent fasting, you won't do well with it throughout your cycle. You might find that week before your menstrual cycle that you can't do intermittent fasting at all. And with intermittent fasting, it can throw off your hypothalamic pituitary axis. That's your hormonal balance. And, and, and any extreme diet actually can throw your hormones out of balance. You know, some people might find that they might still be able to fast for 12 hours, but not for longer periods. Got it. So not good for children, older people, and definitely not during pregnancy, mm -hmm. breastfeeding, or even mm -hmm. for many women who are trying to fall pregnant. Mm -hmm. And either way, just manage it with your doctor. When you decide to do it, an easy way is to just not eat, say, anything between eight o'clock at night and the next day at 10, just basically extending the night rest. But as Dr. D said, just let your physician manage it. Yes. And I always also advise my patients with any eating disorders or even who had a history of eating disorders not to do it. You know, it's not something for people with a low body mass index. That, that is where we look at your height and your weight, for, you know, for a ballpark figure to see if you're underweight or overweight. It's not for people with insulin-dependent diabetes. It's not for people with an irregular heart rhythm. People with low blood pressure don't do well on it. Any hormonal imbalance don't do well on it. And as a triathlon athlete, intermittent fasting does not go well with high-intensity exercise. Low-intensity exercise like walking or yoga would be better on days when you do intermittent fasting. And some of my patients feel dizzy or lightheaded when they do intermittent fasting. Interesting. Moving along swiftly to what we were not going to avoid, vegetables. We know we should eat more vegetables. And after you told me to try and make sure that we increase our vegetable intake, especially as it relates to all the different colors of the rainbow, we've definitely tried to incorporate more different colors of vegetables into our diet. At least one color from the rainbow most days of the week. My son likes blue and red berries for breakfast, some leafy greens for lunch, and 
sometimes I'll include purple carrots and yellow carrots. And then peppers is an easy one because you can buy a pack of peppers and there you have four colors. So we definitely started doing that. And I know the other tip of advice you gave me when like, ah, he doesn't want to eat veggies. It's just having sliced veggies ready with hummus always available when the family feels like snacking. Mm. I'm so glad you're incorporating my advice. And um, give us a little bit more detail behind why you are saying that we should eat all the colors of the rainbow. You know what? This is something I learned when I did my course in functional medicine. The rationale was rather than giving your patient this l- long list of foods to follow to eat exactly for all your micronutrients, because this is high in magnesium and this is high in zinc, and th- these are all the little things you need. It's so much easier to advise a patient to try to eat all the different colors of the rainbow, because then you know, if you've covered all those different color groups, you know that you get all the different vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and polyphenols in when you eat these deeply colored plant foods. Foods like cranberries or blackberries, blueberries, pomegranate, green tea, all of these are essential to help us live longer and feel younger. These foods help to boost our stem cells, to repair DNA damage, it supports our immune system. And these are the foods that's going to keep us healthy. So if you, if you compare that to eating just bland pasta, you know, that's just white, you don't get all that nutrients, it's the, the same type of nutrients that you get from all these colorful foods. I got it. Yeah, it's interesting though. I mean, we're definitely not all the way to bright in terms of how we eat, but I think it's important to just make small changes mm-hmm. as you progress. Yes. Not, you know, I always say Rome wasn't built in a day. Make some small changes. One of the things I've done is instead of bread, introducing a lot of brown, organic brown rice, mm. always adding some cut greens in there. It's just a way for us to get more veggies into the diet. Yes. And, and my goal usually when I work closely with patients is to have 75% of their plate a non-starchy veggie. But I agree with you. Most people don't start with that 75% veggies. They just start with adding a salad to whatever they're eating. And I do this with patients irrespective of their diet, you know, whether you're on paleo diet or a vegan diet. If you just make sure that most of your plate volume, like 70%, 75% of your plate is a non-starchy veggie, like green leafy vegetables or peppers, cucumbers, broccoli, cauliflower, bok choy, foods like that. Yeah, let's tell a little bit about nuts as well. I know nuts are, are great and, you know, high in fats. Unfortunately, my son are super allergic to a couple cashews, pistachios and peanuts. So we avoid those, but I still focus on adding it. So I've got a couple of glass jars in the kitchen with almonds and walnuts and I always try to have a handful when I walk past there, you know, just because I sometimes forget to eat or I try, but just adding a lot of nuts definitely and seeds definitely helping me, helping me. And sometimes I soak raw nuts overnight and lightly toast them. Yes, the that day. helps. Yes, that helps your body to absorb more nutrients from those nuts. If you soak them overnight and you just like lightly cook them in the oven. And what I do with my son as well, I, you know, they mirror the way you eat when I add some nuts to my oatmeal, my organic oatmeal, which is important um, because of pesticides. He, you know, sometimes wants nuts on his oatmeal as well. So that's definitely helping. Let's chat a little bit more about protein. Mm. As you know, I've gone through phases where I ate vegan. I had a vegan diet. 
but my husband loves me. So mm. vegan yes. or pescatarian is not something we're doing in this house. Yeah, let's talk about so, it. So we do need protein with every meal, whether you're vegan or pescatarian or, or whichever diet you choose, you do need protein. Protein balances your blood sugar and it keeps you full for longer. So especially for people that are trying to lose weight or people that are trying intermittent fasting, people with a high activity level, definitely for kids, it really helps to make sure that you add adequate protein. And then the healthier type of protein, the better. Foods like tofu or fish or beans, we generally advise a four ounce serving a day of animal protein, which is not a lot. That's around the size of your palm of meat or protein per meal. So even when we say, oh, it's okay to have meat, we're not saying to eat only steak. We're saying to still have 75% of your plate veggies and then have that palm sized portion of meat. Yeah, so the bottom line is some meat is okay, yes, depending you know on the size. We've, we've gone through phases actually where all red meat was labeled as bad. And many athletes moved over to vegan or plant-based diet. Now we know that not all red meat is bad. Red meat does provide the most nutrient-dense protein that's available. It's rich in omega-3 fats. There is phytochemicals in it, antioxidants. The vitamins and minerals that is in it is very bioavailable, so your body can actually absorb it easier than a lot of these minerals from veggies. But quality is vital in every aspect of eating, and it's same thing even more with meat. It's important to try to choose a hormone-free or organic meat where possible. And if you do choose red meat, to avoid high-temperature cooking like grilling or frying or smoking or charring. So to rather focus on low temperature methods of cooking, and that would be like baking or ro roasting or poaching, and to use spices to make it taste good, to lots of spices, to try out new spices, and same for, for other animal products, to try to have pasture-raised chicken, turkey, and, and eggs. And then we know that fish is good, most fish. Yes, yes. We eat fish three times a week, every week. Low mercury fish are better. We eat wild fish and seafood where possible, such as wild salmon. We are fortunate here in Canada to have salmon. But I know when we grew up in South Africa, you know, salmon wasn't as common. And while many of our listeners throughout the world, we've had such great feedback from our listeners, but that made me realize that we honestly have listeners from all over the world. So I'm very cognizant of the fact that, that fresh fish and seafood is not available where a lot of our listeners live. But then canned fish is a great option. I advise low-toxin fish like sardines or anchovies. You get herring or mackerel. Seafood that's rich in antioxidants and, and full, full, full jam-packed full of um, healing nutrients of foods such as mussels, oysters, clams, shrimps, or, or scallops. And then something else I wanted to chat a little bit about was protein shakes, especially once yes. I am 100% traveling like a couple of days a week. It's just easy when you're on the go. I've tried different ones and I've found quite a few that are, are vegan and taste pretty good. Some are pea, pumpkin or hemp-based protein powder. Yes. And, and many of my athletes use a protein called BCAA. It's bronze chain amino acid to help to supplement, to build muscle. And when you're training hard, 
after a training, they'll have that protein shake right away so that your body, if your body lacks certain amino acids, that it doesn't break down your own muscles for those amino acids. So some protein powders already have like this full amino acid profile in it. That's great, yeah. And I think we should include a couple of options for listeners with the podcast. And then we spoke a little bit about nuts, your stance on other fats. I find some of my patients really fear fat. I believe it might come from, you know, how we believed in the 80s and 90s to eat according to the previous pyramid, diet pyramid that showed to have at the bottom loads of grains, five to seven servings of grains a day, and only a tiny serving of fat a day. And that has, with the years and how more research became available, has been shown to not have been the best way because when we ate according to that food pyramid, obesity in the States skyrocketed and diabetes and people became unhealthy. And we now find that people should not fear healthy fats the fats that will make you that will make you fat and what is unhealthy are the fats that you get in cookies and pastries and cakes and, and anything that comes out, out of a box, out of a factory. The healthy fats that you should eat are fats that improves brain function. It helps you feel full. We call that essential fatty acids because they require to transport cholesterol. It lowers your triglycerides. In your blood, it makes your platelets less sticky. So it helps you to lower your blood pressure. You're less likely to have a stroke or a heart attack. It's to focus on healthy fats. And it also improves brain function, that yes. I know, and skin. And it definitely helps to make you feel full. So it yes. increases your need to snack. Exactly. And fats actually increases your metabolic rate. So essential fatty acids increase your energy levels and it gives you more stamina. It improves your gut health. It prevents leaky intestines, which can lead to allergies or inflammation or autoimmune diseases. It helps to protect your DNA against damage. And it's been shown to decrease inflammation in patients with inflammatory conditions such as arthritis. So once again, it's all the fats that nature give us are good. Avocados, nuts, go for it. But yes. the man-made fats are the ones that we should avoid the process and trans fatty acids. Exactly, because it's trans fatty acids or hydrogenated fats that raise our blood cholesterol levels and increase our bad cholesterol, which is LDL, your unhealthy cholesterol, and it decreases your healthy cholesterol, which helps to protect you against heart disease. And then examples of fats to avoid is deep fried foods. Yes. Yes. Processed fats that you can chips, cotton seed oil, processed butter, processed cheese. Yes, exactly. And essential oils are the good fats are the ones that you mentioned that's in their natural state, you know, like avocados, nuts, seeds, seeds that are good are flaxseed, chia seeds, walnuts, hazelnuts, almonds, or those are nuts, then pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds. Oils that I like to use are extra virgin olive oil and avocado oil. I, I know a lot of people really like butter and it's okay. If to have a small amount of grass-fed ghee or grass-fed butter or coconut oil, MCT oils, all of those ones are good. Many of my friends are dairy-free. Don't we mm. need dairy for healthy bones? No, that's a very interesting topic. Very, very interesting. Interestingly, dairy is not an essential food group. And then the question is, what about osteoporosis? My mom forced a glass of low-fat yes. milk down my throat every day growing yes, up. Yes, yes, yes. So that's very interesting. So amongst the countries with the highest dairy intake, like Norway or Finland, osteoporosis is actually the highest in the world. And then in countries with the lowest dairy intake, 
their osteoporosis levels are the lowest. And we now believe that dairy could be harmful to many people. And when you do eat dairy, and that's what we touched on earlier, is to try not to consume low-fat or reduced-fat dairy products, but to stay, because they generally have sugars and additives, which just cause weight gain. So to try to stay with full-fat dairy products. And we are working on, for the most part, I've got my son on almond milk and a little bit of oat milk. I know there are alternatives, but I still believe for those entrepreneurs out there that there's more room for healthy alternatives. To, to dairy products and then sugar we should avoid not nature's sugar but man-made sugar yeah so sugar is not a necessary food group and it really acts in your brain the same way that recreational drugs would so if you want to enjoy safe forms of sugar it's okay things like honey but to really to try to limit it and when you do eat sugar to eat it at the end of, of a big meal like a whole food nutrients dense meal because that often bloods that harmful effect and now for many of my patients you know even just a little bit of sugar becomes a slippery slope of overeating which really triggers addictive behavior so if you know that you're that person it's just better to stay away and it does take time but then with time you do get used so it's also then better to avoid sweeteners because that kind of keeps you you're still hooked on that sugar thing. There is actually a company here in Toronto that makes sauces and ketchup without sugar. It's They're called Good Food for Good. They use dates to sweeten their sauces. It's absolutely delicious. It tastes so good. My whole family likes that. And I would like to increase our listeners because this isn't in Canada, but I'd like to encourage our listeners to try to find a similar product in the area where you live, you know, to be cognizant about the products that you have in your house and look at how much sugar there is in your ketchup. There is a load of sugar in your ketchup to try to find local products that are has less heated sugars. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. And I love that advice. My son, as I said, is not even three, but yes, his phase is where he would just say, I want dessert, dessert. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, when I was your age, I've never even seen a dessert. But um, yeah, we've covered a whole textbook of information in this podcast and everything does feel overwhelming. And especially for a person following a typical diet that we find in Western world, this is, this can very mm. easily be pretty overwhelming. So my advice is just making small changes that you are comfortable with. It's small steps at a time and easiest to add is add a small side salad to one meal a day for example and instead of reaching for chips reaching for some cut vegetables with hummus just introducing mm. things add not take away initially and next thing is to make sure you have some protein in all of your meat, meals meats eggs poultry seafood and then we spoke spoke about vegetables mm. yes but then for that protein if you are on a vegan diet and you do not want to have meats eggs you just make sure that you have high protein plant foods like beans or legumes broccoli brussels sprouts lentils nuts seeds yeah i love that i mean i can eat a good lentil stew every day mm. of the week I'm, i we had one this week already and the next one is a is a, is a vegan chili so we'll see how that Get. goes Get. and then when you are in the habit of eating a salad with all your meals having healthy proteins with your meals you could add fats 
to help you feel like nuts, for example. Yes, healthy fats, you know, that support your brain and support your heart and that boost your energy. These are fats, omega-3 fats, such as avocados, fatty fish, nuts, seeds, and to try to minimize your omega-6 fats from processed foods and to avoid salad dressings and avoid sauces. Yeah, and I think it's important to be flexible and not restrictive mm. and then do what you do in moderation. But I also mm. feel it's fine to introduce new ways of doing things. When you take snacks to your kids' school, they don't all have to be super sugary snacks. We can create healthy habits for the community and we should all help to do that. Oh, definitely. It always helps me to think when I give back foods, my kids' school lunches, to think this food, is it helping nourishing them or is it harming them? And then most importantly, importantly, remembering to enjoy. Yeah. You know, food should be fun. It's primarily fuel for our body. But thinking about is this good for me, is this bad for me? And how can I add a little bit of fun? It was great spending time with you chatting about nutrition. There's definitely more to unpack over time. Let us know if you have any questions or suggestions. You can watch this recording on YouTube. Please forward this podcast to a friend who will enjoy it. And looking forward to connecting again soon. Uh, may you all experience health and wellness. Take care. Thanks for spending your time with your wellness MD doc, Daniela and JB today. For more episodes, subscribe to our podcast. We would love to connect with you at info at wellnessmdhelp.com. And remember, you were created to thrive. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast.